Well, thank you, Jesus. You know, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing is impossible with him. Absolutely nothing. Praise God. There's nothing impossible to those that dare to believe it, too. Amen. How many believers I have in here this this morning? Praise God. Amen. Everybody see the flower that's on your table? How many of you know anything about that flower? It's a sunflower. It's yellow. It's pretty. You know, there's a lot of Christian influence behind this flower, and there's a lot of worldly stuff behind this flower. But it's very recognized and very noticed throughout the world, one of the most strongest flowers that there is. And so I want to read a few things concerning this flower before we get in. Uh, to the message. How many of you know that uh, we serve uh, a God who is a tremendous creator? And he didn't, he didn't create anything without purpose. Everything that he created has a purpose. The sunflower, its meaning and its symbolism. A sunflower's meaning includes happiness, optimism, Honesty, longevity, peace, admiration, and devotion. All for one little flower. The sunflower possibly surpasses all the others in terms of its universal power to bring joy to people. With a round face and bright yellow petals resembling the rays of sunshine, the sunflower has important cultural and spiritual significance to people around the world. And so I just want to read a few of these things to you. What does the, the sunflower symbolize? Well, we said happiness, optimism, honesty, longevity, peace, admiration, and devotion. The first one is happiness. While sunflowers come in a range of warm colors, from golden to orange, red, and purple, they are most known for their brilliant uh, yellow color. As the color yellow represents joy, happiness, and laughter, these qualities are what the sunflower embodies. Optimism. Sunflowers are famous for turning their big round faces towards the sun. For this reason, they are also symbols of optimism. Sunflowers quite literally look to the bright side. Isn't that amazing? How many of you have ever seen sunflowers? When, when the sun is moving across, the, you know, the, the earth is rotating and the sun is going down from, you know, from the, the east to the west, the, the sunflowers actually turn their face and they follow the sun. It's amazing. Like the sun's uh, own radiant sunflowers send positive vibes. They are very perfect flowers to bring more joy to a garden or to put a smile on someone's face. Optimism is also a form of gratitude in that it honors the many gifts in life. So sunflowers also uh, make lovely 
thank you gifts. Isn't that something? I, I just I just got this, and I just Diane said, "Well, let's let what kind of flowers are we going to use? You know, for August." And of course, how many of you know it's been hot? And uh, if you have any sunflowers out in your yard or whatever else, you can watch them. And they'll, they'll turn and they'll just go wherever the sun goes. That's where they go. They just turn. It's amazing. Honesty. They represent honesty. Sunflowers naturally turn towards the sunlight because they gravitate towards the light. They are also symbols of truth. Uh, and honesty as they symbolize the idea of uh, shedding light on a manner. Sunflowers embody uh, the saying, the truth will set you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Longevity. Sunflowers are drought tolerant. Because they have an extensive root system. In addition, some species are perennials. So they bloom year after year. Because of their hardiness, they are also symbols of vitality and longevity. He said, with a long life will I satisfy thee and show you my salvation. Peace. A lesser known fact about sunflowers is that they are symbols of nuclear uh, disarmament. I didn't know anything about this. As I read this, it's amazing. Hence, the sunflower meaning also includes peace. When the Soviet Union broke apart in 1991, the new nation of Ukraine held the third largest arsenal of nuclear weapons. In 1996, Ukraine uh, committed to total nuclear disarmament. To honor the occasion, representatives from the U.S., Ukraine, and Russia planted sunflowers in the locations where they had previously been nuclear missile silos. I sunflowers. Why, but why did the plant? Why did they plant sunflowers? Not only are the are they bright yellow flower symbols of optimism, they also possess a special capability. They absorb radioactive isotopes from the environment. That's amazing. In fact, sunflowers have been planted at both uh, the Chernobyl and the Fuka. Shuma uh, nuclear disaster sites because they help to improve radioactive toxins or to remove, excuse me, to remove radioactive toxins from the environment. How many of you knew anything about that? I didn't. It's amazing. Admiration and devotion. As they turn their bright faces to follow the sun, Sunflowers are also symbols of admiration and steadfast faith. People from a variety of cultures and religious faiths associate sunflower meaning with dedication and unwavering devotion. Admiration and devotion can extend beyond religious faith. So sunflower meaning can also represent loyalty 
and devotion to another person, a group of people, children, animals, or a cause. It can also mean dedication to a professional calling or a hobby. Isn't that amazing? All that about sunflowers. Amen. So we give the sunflowers a good hand. God's creation. See, he makes everything with purpose. Everything. You know, you have significance and, and purpose on this planet called Earth. And you're, you're not without a call, a direction, a purpose, a desire, a goal, talents, abilities. God created you so that you could do something specifically for Him. And nobody can do it like you can do it. Your gift is unique, your callings are unique, and you're special. And God has made a way to see to it that you're tremendously blessed in every endeavor of your life. Can you say amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say you're blessed. Amen. Also look at your other neighbor and say you're special. You're special. The Bible says if any two on the earth will agree as touching anything they ask, it shall be done of our Father which is in heaven. How many of you know that we have an agreement here on every request that was made known to the Lord? He took account of everything from your heart. He knows what needs to be done. So we're just going to agree together as a group that every need, every need is met right now in Jesus' name. So, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We realize that the greater one has made provision for everything that pertains to natural life and spiritual life. So, Lord, you heard all of these requests from the hearts of those that have need in their family and themselves. Lord, and we just thank you in advance. We believe together, we receive together, and we count every request done in Jesus' name. And we give you all the praise, we give you honor, we give you glory. Every need met, every deliverance of every individual set free now in the name of Jesus. Not later, now in Jesus' name. We command every demon of darkness that's been on specific assignment in these individual lives. We break your power and the authority that you've had in the name of Jesus. And we speak that the blood has satisfied everything and everything that we ask. You said whatsoever things that do we desire when we pray, believe that we receive them and we shall have them. So we believe and we receive for them in their lives, and we give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory for freeing every individual, Lord, that was spoken. We give you glory now. We bless you, we honor you in the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody that's in agreement, say amen. Amen, amen and amen. You can be seated.
If you have your Bibles, open up your Bibles, if you would please, to Colossians chapter number one. Now, those of you, how many of you have been, have you been to the Believer's uh, Voice of Victory uh, convention this week? How many of you have been able to watch it by television as well? Amen. How many of you know great things are happening? And today is, of course, uh, healing day uh, for the convention. And, uh, you know, there was something that uh, Brother Creflo Dollar said the other night when he was ministering. And uh, all the speakers have been absolutely excellent. But this one thing that he said, uh, we've all heard it. It's not anything new to us. But Jesus Christ accomplished everything that was necessary when he went to hell for us to take care of our sin, take care of sickness, take care of disease, take care of uh, uh, everything that you and I might face in this natural life. He took care of it once and for all. Now, he made a statement, and I've, I've made the same statement. Jesus is not doing another thing. It's already done. He's not healing another person because they're already legally, they're already healed. It's a matter of appropriating what has already been done. Believe and receive it into our life. And it doesn't make any difference what that is because he's taking care of everything. And so as he was saying, as he was saying that and uh, the intensity in which he was, in, was saying it, was we've got to get a hold of the revelation of what Jesus Christ has accomplished so that we can stand in the freedoms that he's called us to. Everything that steals, kills, and destroys comes from the devil. Everything. Everything that steals, kills, and destroys comes from the devil. But everything that gives life and life more abundantly comes from the Lord. The Lord has made all of those provisions. Everything that we just prayed and agreed to is already done. It's an established fact. It's already done. For those that need salvations in our family, all we need to do is lay hold on what Jesus has already done. Sick the Holy Ghost on them. You can't make them change. The only one that can bring them to repentance is the Holy Spirit anyway. No man comes to the Father except the Spirit draw him. So it's the Holy Ghost that's going to do the job that's necessary. He's the one that's here that sticks closer than a brother. He's on this planet called Earth, and he's living inside of you as a believer. That's the reason you can say greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Because you have the authority, you have the ability. I want to read to you out of Colossians chapter 1 what Paul has to say. I want to read uh, 23 verses to you and, and just tell you what the Lord is, is saying. 
You know, Diane and I pastored for 41 years, and during that time, and we're still doing that. We're, st- we're still pastoring. We're not, it's not like we're through. You know, preachers don't retire. They, they refire. They just, they just keep refiring, you know, until the, the day comes that the Lord takes us home or we're caught up in the, in the rapture together to meet the Lord in the air. One of the two. There is no quit. There is no stopping. But the Lord has different uh, things in people's lives. But we pastored in a church, churches. We pastored three churches in the 43-year period. And in that, the, the one thing that I noticed as being a pastor uh, was the lack of revelation that the Christian had concerning their redemption. Not that they intentionally were trying not to have the revelation, but they, they, were, not, they, they were not as intense to find out the realities of the truth of what Jesus Christ has accomplished for them. And it's, it's getting better today because the times are coming to a close. Knowledge is increasing. We're, we're in the end of the end times. Jesus is coming. And is he going to find faith on the earth? The answer is yes. He is going to find faith on the earth. Because he's got a remnant of people that are walking this planet right now that are pre- preparing for that great notable day of the Lord come. And they're telling people all over this world. And... For the first time in the history of the world, we have the ability, as Brother Copeland said the other night, we have the ability to actually get the gospel seven minutes. Seven minutes, the entire world can hear the gospel. So we are there. We're at that point of the return of the Lord. The church is bringing the Lord back. It is not a specific day that God had in mind that on August the 17th, He's coming. That's not the way it worked. The church is going to usher in the presence of the Lord in His second coming because the church is finally putting her ducks in a row. She's waking up. She's becoming alert. She's, she's rising out of her spiritual slumber and sleep. And she's beginning to crave and cry for the revelation of what Jesus Christ has accomplished and done. So are you prepared and are you ready for that great notable day yourself? Paul the Apostle says in verse 1 of chapter 1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, And Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and of the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, 
whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is coming to you as it is in the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you since the day we heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. Verse 7, he says, As you also learn of Ephroditus, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Read it to you again. Who hath delivered us. Hath is past tense. It's already been done. It's not going to be done. It's not something that we're looking forward to. It is an established fact that it is already done in what Jesus did in Calvary. He completed it. He satisfied it. I will read that to you out of the Amplified Bible. That's uh, verse number 13 of chapter 1. Colossians. Colossians. He says, the Father, in, in the Amplified ver Version, in verse 13, it says, the Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Read it to you again. The Father has delivered us, delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness, and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. It's not that He's going to. He already has. How many of you know you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? You are seated in heavenly places. You're not going to be. You're already there. This is not our home. We're just pilgrims journeying through life here on this planet called earth. Our home is to be in the presence of the Lord. Now, the Lord's coming back, and when he comes back, he's going to reign and rule here for a thousand years. Guess who's going to get to join him and rule and reign? Us. Those that dare to believe and accepted the plan that God has established and has purpose through him. How many of you know that the devil is a defeated foe? Chapter 2 talks about him being a defeated foe. Jesus stripped him of all authority. Everything that Adam lost in the garden, Jesus secured it back. 
He fulfilled it. He satisfied it so that you and I could walk in victory. That's the reason I I wanted songs of victory, because we have the victory. Whether we feel like it, whether we act like it, whether we're displaying it, you know, or not, doesn't change the fact of the validity of You're not your own. The day that you... The day that you said, I do to him, was the day that you gave up on this planet called earth, and you're heaven bound. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Your situations reversed. Well, they, I, I haven't seen them changed yet. Well, do, have you believed that you received it? You have to believe that you receive it. How many of you are planning on going to heaven? You made plans, right? You believe that. Can anybody talk you out of that? No. Listen, my trouble didn't begin until I became a Christian. When I became a Christian, I mean, the devil pulled out all the stops. I mean, he worked overtime. He never, ever, ever told me I was lost. Not once. But when I got born again, he told me, you didn't really get it. Oh, yes, I did. He's the father of lies, and everything that he says is the opposite of the truth. So I'm born again. He wouldn't waste his time trying to convince me that I wasn't, if I was. So I've been delivered from that nonsense. I've been delivered from the fact that he doesn't have rights or access to any part of my life. And if he attempts, you know, and how many of you know he tries? He tries. Just like in everybody's life, he tries. But the, but the point is, is you don't have to accept it. If you've been delivered, you've been delivered. He hath delivered us from the power of darkness. We are delivered. You know, the Word talks about happier the people whose God is the Lord. How many of us are really happy? Man, I'm so grateful that I'm not lost. I'm so gl- grateful that, that I know the Lord. I, I, I'm so glad, you know, in, in my heart of hearts that, that He secured a position and a place for me. And even when I make mistakes in life, He said, if you'll confess that fault, He said, I'll take care of it. This is it's as good as done. All I got to do is just say it. Confess your fault. He's faithful. He's just to forgive you of that and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Just that quick. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. Delivered from darkness. Well, if I'm delivered from something, where have I gone? Into the kingdom of His Son. What's in the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
righteousness, being in right standing, not because of anything that I've done, but everything that Jesus did. I'm righteous because he made me to be righteous. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, that I might be made the righteousness of God in him. I'm made righteous because he made me to be righteous. Not because I was a Mr. Goody Two-Shoe. That's the reason sometimes we have a problem with our, ourselves because we condemn ourselves because we know our, our weaknesses and our faults and failures in life. But the Lord doesn't look at us that way. He looks at us through His blood. It is His blood that satisfied the gavel of justice once and for all. If, if He accuses me before the Lord... The, the first thing that the father does is he turns to the son. And he says, what about this person? He says, they've been washed in the blood. He said, I find no fault. There is no fault. Even if I made a mistake in life, there is no fault because the blood has satisfied it. It's just a matter of acknowledging that. It's, this is not a hard thing, but we've made it a hard thing. Because we're trying to live up to something that you can't live up to. It is impossible for you to live up to something. There is no need for Jesus if you can do it yourself. But Jesus did it for me. He became sin for me. He went to hell for me. He became sickness and disease and everything else for me so that I didn't have to suffer the consequences of it. I mean, the Lord knew how to start your heart. He knows how to stop it. If He wants you to come into His presence, He can just stop it. You don't have to go out with sickness and disease. And I know some do. But I'm telling you, I, that it, that's got to be a lack of understanding of what Jesus did. If Jesus did it, then we have to grab a hold of it because there's hundreds and thousands of people that you and I will be in contact with that we need to have the hope of this existence of what Jesus Christ accomplished for us. Being a Christian is not going to church. Being a Christian is operating and walking in the newness of life that He's called me to. It's a new life. It's a new way of living. We used to sing that song, uh, I found a new way of living. I found a new life divine. There's, there's just a new way, a new thing. And as the day approaches, it's going to get more intensified. But I'm getting older in life and I'm settling in and I'm ready to, you know, I'm, I'm ready. I'm born again. I'm going to go to heaven. You need to take a whole bunch of folks with you. You can't stop testifying and witnessing just because we are getting older in life. This is 55 and above. That's what this room is, 55 and above. How many of you know we're closer to this side than we were to this side? We are getting closer. But the Lord said we will win souls in old age. We don't quit. 
The commission never dies just because we get older. It doesn't mean that I've, you know, I've done everything that I need to do. I don't know if I told you this or not. The first church I pastored, the very first Sunday that I was going to take over the reins in this church and everything else, I got there about two hours before service time, and there was a car sitting out in the parking lot. So I went over to the car, drove up next to the car, got out of my car, went over to the window of the car, and there was an elderly gentleman sitting there. And he said, are you the this church? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, well, I just needed to let you know in advance that I have been through, I, I, I've been going to this church for years, and uh, I've helped uh, in building programs. I've helped in this. I've been uh, a deacon in the church. I've I've done this, this, and this in the church. And he said, I just want you to know that I no longer will be involved in any of the things in the church. He said, I'm still going to come to the church, and I'm still going to tithe to the church, but I don't want you to call on me to do anything. He says, I just want to sit. I've already paid my dues. And... So uh, I looked at him and I said, you know what? Uh, I'm just young. I'm 30 years of age. I come out of the, the business world. And, uh, you know, I was a corporate executive and I hired people and fired people. And, and uh, I just looked at him and I said, you know what? There's a church down the street, I'm sure, going that direction. And I'm sure they can, they can probably, they'll, they'll accept what you want. But here, if you're going to be in this church, you're going to get involved. Every hand is going to put their hand to the plow. And I said, I don't need you. If all you're going to do is just sit and get fat, I don't need you. Matter of fact, truth of the matter is, is God doesn't need you. You need to stay active. I don't care how many things you've done. This is a new season. This is a new vision. This is a new time. And I said, I'm not starting off our ministry with people that don't want to get involved. And I said, so I love you, but you need to go down the road. He rode up the window and he peeled out in the driveway and he took off. He was mad. Because I didn't say, well, bless your dear darling. I'm so appreciative, you know, that you've worked so hard for the previous pastor and helped him fulfill all these things. You were a deacon in the church. You know, bless your heart. No, he didn't get it. So he drove off. Didn't see him for weeks. And one Sunday, as I came into the sanctuary, the music had just started, and I look out into the congregation, and there was this gentleman sitting. Well, he wasn't sitting. He was standing. He was clapping, singing the songs and everything else. After the service was over with, he came up to me, and he said, uh, Pastor Phil, he said, I apologize for my attitude and my actions. He said, we're not to retire, are we? I said, there's no place where it says we retire and quit. 
I said, I've looked. There is no place where we actually retire and quit. We just keep refiring and keep refiring and keep refiring. I said, if you don't believe that, go back and read about Ananias and and read about Anna in the house of the Lord all the days of their life. And he just looked at me and he said, no, we don't quit, do we? I said, no. I said, if you're going to be here, you're not going to quit. He said, no, sir. He said, I'll do whatever you need me to do whenever you need me to do it. And he stuck with us until the Lord moved us somewhere else. And so we've been delivered from the power of darkness. There can't be any quit in us. Just because we're getting older, things still should be working for us. He's still the healer in our old age as he is when we were in our younger age. Changes. The reason that we get old is because of sin. Everybody was fine until sin came on the earth. There was no such thing as death until sin came on the earth. When sin came on the earth through Mr. and Mrs. Adam, we don't know how long Mr. and Mrs. Adam were in the garden before they committed high treason against the Lord. We don't know that. Man doesn't know how long they were actually in the garden, how long they lived there. They had fellowship with everything. They had fellowship with the serpent. It wasn't an unusual thing for her to speak to the serpent. Neither was it for him. They were able to communicate. It's amazing. You know, we we read stories and we don't realize that, listen, there is, there is longevity with the Lord. You know why that people lived longer on the earth? Some people say, well, it was a, just a different kind of time. There was different days. They, they lived to be in their hundreds. Methuselah was 969 years old before he died. Adam was 930 before he died. Those are actual years when God put the, the sun and the moon into its proper position and everything else, and the earth began to rotate. A year was still 365 days. And so they lived that length of time, but what caused them to sin, I mean, what caused them to die was sin. When sin came into the earth, man began to die. Jesus reversed all that. I began my eternal reign back when I was 21 years of age when I accepted the Lord as my personal Savior. I began my eternal reign and rule with the Lord back then. I didn't know that until later on in life, but I'm already in eternity. I'm an eternal being. So are you. You're eternal being. And 
what you determine on this planet called earth determines where you're going to spend your eternity. So I'm seated in heavenly places. So are you. So I should enjoy all the benefits of everything that Jesus has already accomplished for me. Let me go and finish reading this. It says in verse 14, it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things we might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him. I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled. In other words, settle the issue. Whether you have a full revelation on it or not, isn't the fact that you can settle the issue in your heart. And you can open yourself up and say, Lord, renew me, renew my mind, so that I can think the way that you think. That I can live the way you live that I can operate the way you operate. That's the reason he told you to lay hands on the sick. They'll recover. It's not you. It's the greater one that's on the inside of you. It's the who you are and what you possess in him. Can you say amen? He said, but you have to continue in the faith. Faith without corresponding actions is void of result. It's dead. It's useless. Settled. And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. It's a done deal. It's just simply finished. When he said it is finished, he meant what he said. And he said what he meant. It is finished. And we need to settle the issue in us so that we can help somebody else to be a blessing to them. People are bound because they don't know any different. And they stay bound because they won't let the Lord of glory have the rightful position in place in their hearts and their life. Christians are just as guilty as non-Christians. And I loved what Creflo said. It is your choice and my choice how far I go with this. And I've come too far now. 
for sure to turn back. I'm not turning back. I'm not going to I'm I'm not going to give up what I know to be truth. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Amen. You receive that today? Amen. We are so thankful for you being here. And many of our many of our group is it's the believers convention and 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 that's okay. But you're here today, and I wanted you to be blessed, and I pray that you've been blessed today. Just being here, fellowshipping together, and getting to know one another even better. That's what this is all about, is us coming together. It's not just eating, and it's not just for pastor to have a place to preach. It's about us coming together and being the body of Christ ministering to one another, encouraging one another, making new friends, amen, getting to know one another in a more personal way than you can in a service in the sanctuary. Most of the people that we see in church, we see the back of their head, and that's all we see. There's very little. How many of you know you can't just interrupt the pastor and say, wait just a minute, Uh, I need to ask a question. And most of us are looking this way, looking at someone else's back of their, their head. And so we don't really get to know them. And by the time we dismiss, everybody's ready to go because their stomach is saying, feed me. Amen. Well, we're going to dismiss. We've got to get this straightened up and cleaned up so that we can make room for the uh, the uh, uh, the memorial service. I wanted to say funeral, but that's really not what it is. It's a memorial service, and uh, uh, it's going to be a special time. And so, uh, we thank God for moving, you know, in our midst during that time. So, as many people as can help us, uh, taking off the skirts uh, on the table and. And uh, the, the flowers, there's a box right over there. Diane, if you'll go over there with the box or bring it or whatever, and we'll put the flowers uh, in the box. Uh, there is a sack, a white sack that's on the f- floor down here that uh, is for the table covers. If you just stack them over there, we'll put them in there. So if you'd help us, it's, the chairs need to be stacked, uh, you know, in like fives or sixes. And we'll get this all cleaned up and ready to go. Thank you very much. Amen. So, Father, we just thank you for our time together. We ask the Lord as we dismiss, we dismiss in your presence, your love. Thank you for going before us, preparing the way. Thank you for blessing, Lord, every individual family that is here, extended families as well, in Jesus' name. Amen.